Well, hello, friends, and welcome to the podcast, Grow Deeper. My name is Ross Furio, and I'm here with Mike Holly. We're both pastors at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, and this is episode seven, and we're so glad that you're with us. Seven episodes in, and we are still keeping true to our focus. Keeping true. Keeping our, true. Our goal here is to spend some time together talking about questions or scriptures or even just basic ideas around how we can grow deeper in our life and in our faith, and not only how we can do that individually, but how we can do that in the communities we're a part of. True, true. And so we have spent six weeks trying to do just that. We've been talking, you know, I think we've spent most of our time probably like up in that ten to 15,000 foot range talking about growth. How do we become a people of growth? How do we take that next step in growth? And if you just found this episode and, and that conversation interests you, I'd encourage you to go back and pop in on some of those previous episodes. But we wanted to to kind of mix it up a little bit. You know, yeah. we, we kind of got to a good, a good wrapping up point with that previous conversation, and we wanted to move into something totally different. Yeah, we've, like you said, we've been up at the, the high, high, high level looking at sort of uh, general ideas of what it means to grow deeper. And now we're coming back down to earth. Maybe in a sense, we're kind of going back in time a little bit to look at some things from scripture that might help us understand what it means for us to grow in expansiveness of our relationship with God and what we're called to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were talking about, okay, well, if, you know, if that's what we want to do, if we want to spend some time looking at scripture, then, then what, what scripture do we want to look at? And we realized that both of us for our ordination paperwork wrote a Bible study on Jonah. And so we decided, you know what? Why don't we just spend four or so weeks walking through the story of Jonah and let that kind of be our first our first deep dive into Scripture and, and applying this conversation of growth and how we can be a people of growth to, to stories and figures and things that we find in our Bible. Yeah, and we, we know that somebody out there is probably saying, hey, wait a minute, you've already done a lot of work on this. Are you just coasting for a few episodes? Is that what you're doing? And the answer is no, no, because Jonah is a really powerful story and there is a, an immense amount of transformation and change that can get, that can be possible from his life if he can learn from his experience. Yeah. You know, I think Jonah is one of those, those figures, those folks in our Bible that it's not our fault, but has become very watered down just because of the ability to tell a part of his story to children, to get them familiar with, with Bible stories and, and things like that. But the reality is with Jonah, oh my gosh, if, if you read his whole story and really spend some time applying it to your life, then it will smack you in the face. Yeah. I mean, it really will. It's, it is so directly applicable to our lives. So I, I don't think that we that when we become adults, I don't think we really give this story the time that it deserves uh, in, our, in our study of Scripture. And, and part of the reason for that is probably that we spend a lot of time as adults, you know, studying the New Testament. You know, this is, we're Christians, we're part of a church, maybe we need to focus on this. I think the other thing is, is that we kind of feel like we know the story from, like you said, being kids and going to vacation Bible school, going uh, and listening to a, a sermon for kids a, a, in worship. And we hear about the famous part of the story and we think, well, that's all I need to know about that. It's only, you know, a few chapters. Right. I don't need to go back to that. Right. Got it. 
done. So Jonah, you know, there's a lot of things that make Jonah great. There's a lot of reasons why I think Jonah is probably, it's definitely my favorite book in the Old Testament, and it's up there for, for top books altogether. And one of them is because it's four chapters. It's very short, right? It probably only takes up maybe five, maybe six pages in your Bible, but you get a full Hebrew narrative arc in those four or five pages. You get a rich story that moves extremely fast. I mean, it moves so quickly. So much happens in each chapter. Uh, and so it's, it's a great way for us to plop ourselves into somebody's life and do it by, you know, spending what, 10 minutes reading our Bible? I mean, we're going to spend way more time than that, but you can sit down and read the story of Jonah in less than 10 minutes, and I think come away with a lot that you can apply to your life. Oh, definitely. You can, you can read Jonah just even in the first chapter that we're going to, you know, quickly skim over for you today, and you're going to know, um, you know a little bit more about your own self, and you're going to know a little bit more about what challenges you face in terms of what you are um, uh, called to do and what you're afraid to do. So this week, we, we're not even going to cover all of chapter one because the story moves so quick and there is so much jam-packed into the first three verses of chapter one that that's, that's all we're going to cover. So I think what I'm going to do is just is read the scripture for us. I realize we didn't talk about that, but I feel like we need to maybe read the scripture. I think we do. So we're in Jonah chapter one. If you're not driving in your car or on a walk, I would encourage you to pause us, grab a Bible, and just read along with us. But Jonah chapter one, verses one through three. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Imitai. How do you say his dad's name? Imitai? Imitai? This kind of sounds like imitate. Imitai? No, Imitai. Imitai? Okay, we'll go with that. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Imitai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. And friends, that is the first three verses of Jonah chapter 1. So when I was writing my Bible study in ordination, I realized something that I had never seen before. And it's that this is not the first time that Jonah appears in Scripture in the role of a prophet. If you open your Bible and flip back to 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25, you'll see that a prophet named Jonah is serving in the courts of King Jeroboam II, which immediately made me ask the question, okay, I think this whole time I've been reading the story of Jonah and saying, okay, I kind of get it, right? This guy, Jonah, he's never experienced anything like this before. He's never heard God call him to go and tell a people a message, right? And if God ever did that to me, I would probably respond the same way. I would probably say, what the heck are you talking about? No, I'm not going to go do that. But this isn't Jonah's first rodeo. Jonah's done this before. Like he, he knows how to be a prophet. He has, he has given messages to the king from God. He served in the king's courts. And it, it kind of changes the way you see him when you, when you realize that, that, okay, no, Jonah is fully aware of how this is supposed to work. But for some reason here, he doesn't follow, he doesn't follow the script. He doesn't follow the plan. He tries to do something else instead. 
Yeah. So think about it in terms of how sometimes when we're when we're called to do something that we don't feel qualified to do, you know, we can we can sort of put put up our hands and say, I don't know what a, what that is. You're gonna have to find somebody else. But Jonah can't do that. Like you said, he is he's already demonstrated by his actions and his history that he is qualified to do the thing that God is asking him to do. Right. Yeah. He's done it before. He just doesn't want to do it. Right. So, you know, Jonah is being called by God to go to Nineveh, which is the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And to put it lightly, Jonah's people didn't like the Assyrians. And I would say for good reason, right? I mean, there was plenty of reasons for Jonah to not want to go to the capital of Assyria. There are plenty of reasons. But one of the the things that stands out to me is that they were uh, a people who lived for war. They lived for conquest. And this was well known in the uh, Middle East at the time. Uh, you know, one of the things that I, I, I heard in doing some research about the Assyrian Empire is that they would have tablets made with, with pictures, demonstrations of what happened to other people who tried to fight them, who tried to stand up against them. And it was used almost like, you know, uh, a, a tactic uh, to induce fear into people before they even showed up. These tablets would be circulated. Uh, and and put people in so much fear that they would give up. In, in fact, some people would would see the empire coming and would rush out to go and surrender before the first, you know, arrows or swords were ever pulled out and fired. Yeah, I mean, the two biggest baddest wolves that Israel ran into was Assyria and Babylon. And if you remember, after the split, when we split into Israel and Judah, Israel was captured by Assyria. And they ceased to exist after their capture. Judah was captured by Babylon, and they remained intact, right? Because Babylon let them go live as a community on their own. And even though they were in exile, they were able to remain a community. Assyria, is they were just known for how they tortured their prisoners. They were known for how brutal they were. They were known for their violence. And not just that, but for how much they enjoyed it. I mean, they were just a a empire that was fueled by destruction and by carnage. Yeah, and, and I can't read everything that I, um, I found on the Assyrian Empire because, well, first of all, it might give me nightmares, uh, especially during this October Halloween season that we're in. But one of the things that I, I can share with you is that one of the quotes I found was from Sennacherib, or it was attributed to him. He was the king of the empire, and it, it was sort of boasting that, I cut off their precious lives as one cuts a string. Mm. It was sort of this idea of lives don't matter to me. I'm kind of gloating that I can take out as many people as I so choose. Uh, And so the people of that time were frightened of the power and just the terror of the Assyrian Empire. So Jonah is being called by God to go north and east to Assyria, and he doesn't want to go. So he makes the mistake of thinking, well, I I don't want to do this thing that God's calling me to go do. So I'm going to outrun God. I'm going to flee from the presence of the Lord. So he goes down to Joppa, which is a port city, and jumps on a boat to go to Tarshish, which was believed at the time to be the edge of the world. So Jonah thinks that, okay, if I can, if I can just make it 
to Tarshish, this distant land where surely God doesn't reside, right? Because it's the edge of the world. Then I, I won't have to go do this thing that I don't want to go do. So, so you know, Tarshish is, is like in the opposite direction, right? Of, of Assyria, Nineveh. Yeah, Joppa is south and west, and Tarshish is way west. And Assyria is just a little bit east and a little bit north. So, so yeah, he literally turns his back on Assyria and goes the exact opposite direction, again, thinking that he can outrun God. Right. And so think, just be clear about this. Why in the world, number one, would he want to flee the Assyrian Empire uh, and not do this? And why would he try to run away from, from God? And I think we've kind of established it. He's got to be not only afraid of the Assyrian Empire, but he probably hates them too because of all the things they've done. He doesn't want anything good to happen to that empire. He probably wants them to cease to exist. Right. I mean, remember, Jonah has served as a prophet in the courts of the king. And so what that tells me is that he is fully aware of what God is capable of doing, of the forgiveness and the redemption that God is capable of offering a people. So really, I think there, there's two, probably two primary reasons that Jonah doesn't want to go, right? The first one is because he's afraid of what's going to happen to him when he shows up to Nineveh and starts proclaiming the word of the Lord. Surely he thinks they're going to kill him. Mm-hmm. I think the second reason he's afraid is because he knows that if they don't kill him and if they listen to what he's saying, that there's a really good chance they'll turn back to God and be forgiven. And I think that terrifies him just as much because, like you said, he doesn't want to be a part of anything that will result in something good coming about for the Assyrians. And, 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 you know, I think it's sort of funny that he thinks maybe that there is a possibility that the Assyrian people and their king will repent before the God of a tiny little nation that they probably don't even consider to be a threat to them, mm. you know, but Jonah knows who God is. Jonah knows. And so it, you know, when you learn about his role in the courts of the king, it, I think it makes it make a little bit more sense because you're right. Jonah has this insider information. He knows good and well what is possible when a, when a faithful prophet goes to an unfaithful people. He knows good and well what God is capable of doing. And he doesn't want that to happen to the people in Nineveh. And so if, if Jonah knows his history, this has kind of happened before, uh, that there was somebody else who didn't feel qualified to go and speak to the most powerful empire at that time, Moses, in you know, the court of Pharaoh. Right. And Pharaoh didn't seem to be uh, intimidated at all by yeah, Israel God. Pharaoh Israel's resi- God. resisted with all his might, yeah. right? I mean, over and over and over and over again at the expense of him and his people. Plague after plague yeah, after plague. Yeah. And so, you know, if, if he knows his history and he knows that this God has done amazing, miraculous things in the past, he knows that there is probably uh, an opportunity at least for the people to change their mind and seek God's forgiveness. And he knows this God, and this God is forgiving. He doesn't want that. Frustratingly so, right? Oh. Frustratingly forgiving. I love it when God forgives me, but sometimes I don't want him to forgive other people who I don't think should be forgiven. Yeah, I wonder what your Nineveh is if you're listening to this, right? I mean, I wonder if there's, if there's something in your life that you feel like God has been or is, or you're pretty certain that God is calling you towards or calling you to do, or a person that 
that God is calling you to go say something to or give something, you know, whatever it is, if there's something in your life that you know God is calling you to go and be a part of, but you just don't want to do it. I wonder if there's something in your life like that. That's a good way of putting it. What's your Nineveh? Yeah, what's your Nineveh? And, you know, sometimes uh, there are some of us who wish we could say the thing we have wanted to say. That's not your Nineveh. You know, getting to to speak what your frustrations are, that that's you airing your own grievances. That's not a word of God. So instead, what your Nineveh is, is where are you called to go to someone uh, who is either frightening or maybe an enemy of yours and to speak a word of God's um, displeasure, but also God's forgiveness, or at least the potential for forgiveness. You know, how do you say something like that of God's not happy with how things are going, but you can turn to him. Your Nineveh is, is, is not a, a thing that would, will bring you kind of closure from the ills in your life, I don't think. No, no. I think, I think your Nineveh is probably something that God is calling you towards that makes you scared. Right. I think your Nineveh is probably something that God is calling you towards that you know is going to force you to stop being motivated by self-preservation, which can be really scary for us. You know, I think your Nineveh is something that God is calling you towards that you know is going to be really difficult, but you also know for sure God is calling you towards that thing. Right. So your Nineveh is something that is going to be uncomfortable, but it also can be a an opportunity for you to communicate something that can lead to transformation in others. And then, you know, on the heels of that question, I wonder if you have ever run away from God or felt like you were running away from something that God was calling you towards. And I guess my question is, did it work? Do you feel like you succeeded? I mean, when you think back on that, or maybe you're doing that right now, have you ever run away from God? And if you have, how'd it go? Did you feel like it, you were effective? So would you call that your tar- Tarshish? I, I guess so. I mean, you know, I think probably all of us can identify at least one thing in our life that we feel like God is calling us towards, our Nineveh. And I think more than likely that thing is going to instill a bit of discomfort in us if we think about giving it a full, all-encompassing yes. And then, you know, I also think that most of us probably have a Tarshish or, or something that we are putting in the place of Nineveh or using to distract ourselves from where we feel like, God is calling us or using as a decoy, right? Almost kind of taunting God with it by saying, well, I'm, I'm not going to do this thing that I think you're calling me towards, but I'll do this instead. So it's almost like either your Tarshish can be the thing you run away to, to get away from God's call, or it can be the thing to say, well, I, I, I can't really do this because I'm doing this instead. Right, right. You kind of replace what you, you feel like, oh no, God, I think God's calling me to do this. And so if I just, if I put all my eggs in the basket of this other thing, maybe I can kind of get off the hook or, or maybe I can know, distract myself. Exactly. From that call. Yeah. Yeah. If, well, okay. Uh, I don't really want to want to do that thing, but if I can just be too busy to do it, then maybe God won't make me do it anymore. Uh, I mean, I think it can be a whole host of things, right? Or it can just be something that, that, you know, God's not calling you that either, but you're just going to go to that instead because kind of similar to Jonah, right? He knew God wasn't calling him to Tarshish, yeah. but he thought he could run away from the presence of the Lord. I mean, that's a whole other conversation, right? How often do we fall into the same trap of thinking that we can just run away from God yeah. when, when God is calling us to do something uncomfortable? Well, I, I know it's not in the same vein, but you know, you and I both, not only did we uh, write our Bible study for ordination in the United Methodist Church on Jonah. We both 
started out ministry very young. Of course, I started out young a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we went straight from from college to seminary. Yeah. And yeah. so we we wrestled with a call, but we also didn't wrestle that long. Whereas I know some other people that actually felt a calling earlier in their life, but they didn't go through with it. Oh my gosh, yeah. I made a lot of friends in seminary that were second or third career seminarians, right? Like they had had two or three careers before finally giving into what they would say was something that they felt like their whole life God was calling them towards, and they just kept running away from it. And I don't know if they if they sort of divulged kind of what their thoughts were looking back, almost like a therapeutic mindset of how they live their lives. But a couple of folks who were second career at the seminary I went to, uh, Duke and, and Durham, North Carolina, they would they would say like it was almost like I I knew this feeling that I felt called to to ministry, and so I tried to find a a job or a career that's meaningful, that would be helpful, that would serve other people. And it was good, but it just never felt like what I was supposed to do. It almost always felt like I was trying to do the best I can at something that I wasn't as passionate about as I should have been. And and it was, I think maybe that's that the replacement thing. At least that's yeah. what the connected in my yeah. mind. No, I, I think that fits really well. Um, I think that's a really good example of it. You know, uh, what do you, what's God calling you towards and what are you doing instead? What, what are you doing instead to try to, to try to bide the time or to try to make, make that thing go away that you feel like God's calling you towards. And then, you know, another, re- another really tough question and, that we can glean from just these first three verses is, uh, are there folks, are there folks in our life that we would rather God not use us to bring them into relationship with him? Are there people in our life that kind of like Jonah and the Assyrians that we don't really want God to use us to bring anything good about in their life? Because I think that is a really big hangup that Jonah has with this, with this crew in Nineveh is not only does he not want something bad to happen to him, he doesn't want anything good to happen to them either. It's, a, it's kind of a double-edged sword. And I bet there's folks in our life that we feel the same way about. Mm-hmm. That if, if God was calling you to go and do something good for someone that you counted as your enemy, I think our gut reaction would be, no. No, I, I don't want anything good to happen to that person. I don't right. like them. And so think about this. What is God doing in calling you if you feel that way? You know, we, we kind of feel like um, that God's asking too much of us in that moment. Like, doesn't God know how I feel? Well, what if God knows exactly how you feel? And this is part of the reason you're being called because something in you needs to change. Yeah. I mean, not only is Jonah seeking to save himself, he's seeking to not save the Assyrians. Right. Eey, that's tough. That, that's a really tough question for us to ask. It I is. Think. It is. And I think that that is a a question not only that fits with our topic, growing deeper, uh, but it's a it's a question of just how do we live in this world, um, in a way in which provides blessing and hope for everybody in it, not just for us. So for for our topic, I think you know if if Jonah is going to grow further with God, he's already served as you mentioned with Second mm-hmm. Kings. Mm-hmm. He's already served. But if he's going to take the next step in growing deeper, he's got to learn to um, take that hatred or fear or whatever it is about the Assyrians and let that be softened by God's grace. And is that not a fruitful message for us today? I mean, in a world that feels really divided right now, 
man, what if we were willing for God to do that same work on us? Yeah. I, I just think about, I mean, yes, of course it happens in divisions within our own country. I mean, we're, we're here in Alabama, we're in the United States. We all know that there are divisions between, uh, us, uh, in this country, but just looking at people from around the world and, and understanding that each and every one of us is a human being and each and every one of us has hopes and dreams and each and every one of us has family and relationships and loves all of that connected together is just really, I think, important for us to understand that, you know, the more that we put a human face on others, the less we can label them as an enemy. Um, that was one thing I know mm-hmm. in war that I heard a lot from people was that, you know, during war, they were taught to see the other person as this sort of evil, horrible person. And then after the war, after peace was made or, you know, after victory was won, you start to realize that these people are just like they're people. me. Yeah, they're they people. were fighting for their country just like I was fighting for mine, right. and so they're not right. this big, bad, ugly, you know, force that uh, uh, that we're fighting against. It was, you know, a, a leader or a regime abusing and taking uh, advantage of their people for their own evil objectives. Mm. People fighting for the wrong thing, and their people and. Mm. You know, I, I feel like that is something that we all need to think about and have our own lives softened by God's grace as well. Man, I think this is going to be really good. So, uh, yeah, Better friends, be. what what is your Nineveh? What do you feel like God's calling you towards? Where is God leading you? Where is God leading you today? Where has God leading you? been leading you for the last year, two years, three years, four years? Um, and what's your Tarshish? What, what's standing in the way of that? What things are you placing as an obstacle in your own path to try and avoid something that God's calling you to do that, that you're not sure you really want to be a part of? For whatever reason it may be, whether it's fear or, uh, you know, a similar reason for Jonah and the Assyrians, whatever it may be. Um, and friends, that's just the first three verses. How about that? That's just the first three verses. So, so we're going to definitely continue with Jonah. And so if you're wanting to sort of get ahead and read a little bit before next week, um, you know, maybe take some time and at least finish the first chapter of Jonah. There's some good stuff in there. Oh, man, Real good stuff. Really good stuff in there. And we're going to get to all of it. And I am pretty excited about it. You, you should see his smile, folks. I'm pretty excited about it. Man, I love this book. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Uh, we'll finish up chapter one and look at chapter two of Jonah in next week's episode. See you then.